Welcome to Technically Speaking, part of the DTCX Exceptional E-Commerce Podcast Universe. I'm your host, Lucas Walker. Joining me today is one agency partner who I've met with a few times, recorded a few podcasts as well, and we've known each other for a couple of years. He also has invested in a few of the tech companies that we talk about using some of that technology, including Shogun, Grin, Great Influencer Marketing, and Govalo for your gift cards as well. We're going to talk a little bit about Shogun and some of the headless commerce technology in some of the more technical builds that they've done, but his day job is the CEO of Avex. They are a New York City-based e-commerce agency. Their logo's up here on my hat. And that's what he does working with some really nice clients like Hugo Boss and Philips One Blade. John, welcome to the DTCX podcast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And that was a great intro and a great hat. My pleasure. Well, I gotta I, I gotta keep this uh, nice thick lush head of hair protected don't want to get too much you. uv light i feel you that's why i should have worn hats more often <laughs> <laughs> it would have protected my dome for the uh, for the audio feed listeners i'm just taking off my hat right now and just running my fingers through my luscious yeah. thick head of hair which is what do you use on that hair like is it like a certain uh, conditioner man and tail i use horse shampoo oh, yeah horse like shampoo. That's, okay that's what i use because it's so 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 lush Exactly. Oh boy, I'm jealous. But this isn't the men's grooming lifestyle podcast. So you have to go over, listen to Eric from Beard Brand about that. This is really about how brands, as they're looking to scale from seven figures to eight figures of revenue and, and hopefully higher, along that journey, you're probably going to bring on an agency to run some of your store, or in the case of some of your clients, just build it outright from scratch. And that's really what we're going to talk about in the, the first portion is working with an agency. So what should brands know before they start to look at an agency? And there's it, the game it runs from independent freelancers all the way up to Tavex and other agencies to large companies that you can hire. So there's a lot of different needs there and considerations as well. John, I'm going to turn it over to you now to to take the floor and just really what explain what some of the, the key things brands should be looking at when hiring an agency is. Yeah, so I was thinking about this a bit and sometimes we also have to advise our clients on some of these things as well. And sometimes our clients don't need an agency and mm -hmm. they might be even wasting money. So if it's not going to be a good fit, we'll even advise them on not using us, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it depends on what stage you are in a business and I'll give some use cases there. And I, I just want to start this off by saying that it's never... There's never just one right way, right? What's right for one business might be wrong for another. So it's about weighing the pros and cons. But when I look at a, a small business, like if I was going to start a D2C brand from the ground up right now, no investment, just putting it in myself, I wouldn't hire an agency. I would most likely bootstrap it as much as possible, test, see what my demographic is, try the product out, see what's working, what doesn't, and be able to start bringing in some revenue. So mm -hmm. unless you're completely clueless and can't execute, right? I'm fortunate. I have a background in design and development, so like I'm able to say that easily. But well, like, some I think people most don't. people just starting out have some skills to generate mm. some revenue. Yes, you might not be a great designer, but you can probably write emails good enough to to get some sales and some product page copy. It might not be the prettiest looking website, but unless you're you're a megastar or influencer that you know that website will be part of your brand. For the mm -hmm. average person who's listening, unless I don't know, Mark Wahlberg or someone is, is listening. What's up, Mark? 
it's going to be be bootstrapping and getting yeah. started yourself. And you need to know what works and doesn't work, I'm assuming, so that when you do hire a partner, you can say, hey, this is what we've tried. This is what worked for us. Yeah. No, exactly. And I, I would even look at like pre-made Shopify themes. And instead of putting that money towards an agency, shoot some really great content. Whether you do it yourself and you buy equipment for it or you hire a freelancer or whatever it is, great content on a pre-made Shopify theme. I saw one the other day. I forgot which brand it was. I think it was Tees, the uh, mm-hmm. tea company from Canada. I'm she almost certain they're using, yeah. I, Parallax, she was theme? At, Parallax theme from out of the sandbox? I, I think it was. I think it's one, yeah. one of those themes, but I was looking at it the other day and because she was on the panel, the signified panel with me last week and really great looking website, but it's mostly, I think, out of the box functionality and it's really good content. So like that's something that's really easy to do for smaller brands. And if you absolutely can't work with Shopify and hire a Shopify expert or a freelancer, I think that is where I would start if I was just starting a D2C brand. But now let's talk about the brands who've already brought in a couple million in revenue, right? Yes, let's say you're, I mean, we can both go with T. It's funny because I know Sheena from when I worked at Shopify mm. and I had my dog treat business and our businesses were just so similar, both totally different audiences of trying to create a cart of multiple $10 SKUs that yeah. you're, you're playing that, that long LTV game. Let's go on, let's say a brand like that, you're doing a couple million in revenue. Maybe you have a pop-up or your your own little retail section. So you're, you're going to need some omni-channel, probably doing some mm-hmm. wholesale stuff as well. It's just starting to get more in those layers of complexity that, that make something rich and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's like a next step, like a next stage, even brands between kind of doing a couple million to 10 million or something like that. Now, you have to decide if you want to hire internally or hire an agency mm-hmm. or both. Right. And I think it makes sense when like build a team and support it and take it all in house, build them, train them. There comes responsibilities there and also difficulties when it comes to building a team, even if it's a team of five people or something. You have to worry about those people leaving. You have to worry about keeping them happy. You have to worry about compensation. You have to worry about insurance and all these things. So I I think even if you do build somewhat of a team internally, they're most likely wrapped up and super busy with the day to day. And if you're looking to do a larger initiative, like redesign your experience or build something headless or launch some landing pages, that's very common for brands to come to us and kind of say, look, we have an internal team, but we just can't handle it. Or so it it might be like staff augmentation, or it might also be expertise, right? We have an internal designer and a developer, but we don't have strategy and email marketer, or we don't have someone who could do conversion rate optimization. So they're not able to execute on some of these. So bringing in an agency to help act as an extension of your team, align with them. And honestly, that's the best type of clients to work with too, is when a merchant has somewhat of an internal team that could help with the development talk or the strategy talk or the design and the creative, someone that you could at least work with and collaborate with. That's where we really see some great results. So at that stage, I would start considering an agency if your team is busy internally or you want to tap into something that you don't have the expertise for. Mm-hmm. I think that's just such a, a smart way to put it of bringing it on with a specific use case mm-hmm. that you can kind of assist with it. That's once you've outgrown your own capabilities and it doesn't make sense to make three full-time internal hires that you don't know how busy they'll be. If you're leaving yourself very exposed, if someone just leaves, I think that's a really nice litmus test. I want to talk about red flags a little bit because you really, 
you touched on it earlier of maybe you don't need an agency. Maybe we're not the right agency for you. Whereas, and I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but there's always shady sales people that are always doing it. And I'm allowed to say that I, I am a salesperson myself where they're just trying to push deals through push, mm-hmm. push, mm-hmm. and it's really not the right choice. And then unfortunately that gives everyone in that industry a bad name. So besides really pushy, aggressive salespeople trying to sell you the kitchen sink, what are some red flags to look for when bringing on that that partner? Yeah, that's a great question. And when first starting out, whether it was I was a freelancer or just trying to build the agency where we were a couple people, you needed to close that, that business. You needed to get those case studies. So we said a, a yes to a lot of things we should have said no to. Mm-hmm. And when I say we, I mean me, because there was maybe one or, the, or two other people helping me. So I said yes to a lot of things that I should have <laughs> said no to. Now, we learned a lot of lessons. We learned what we're good at, what we're bad at, where there's going to be risk for our agency and for the client and where we under delivered. So we've learned to say no to a lot of things. And some of those things are crazy timelines. If we recently had, I'll show you a red, this would be a huge red flag for me if I was a merchant. Merchant came to us and said, we want to completely redesign our store and migrate it from Magento and do brand guidelines. And I was like, okay, well, what's your timeline? When do you want to launch? And they said about 30 to 40 days. Now, there are agencies that may step in. Now, maybe not a 30 to 40 day. Maybe they, they said two right. months or something like that. 30, there are agencies. 30 to 40 days. I, I hope yeah. those are working business <laughs> days with four-day work weeks and Mondays don't count because 30 days goes yeah. fast. Yeah. Like we're already halfway through April we're, and June is less than two months away anything. as we're recording this. Yeah, like we're not doing anything in 30 days. Enough time for QC. So that's one thing that I'll bring up to some of the merchants that we're speaking with is that if an agency tells you that they're going to build it in this timeline, they're lying to you, right? They're just trying to win your business. They're going to get you in the door and then it's going to fall apart. Maybe they do believe that they're going to be able to execute really rapidly, but that salesperson likely did not talk to operations. If they even have operations, they didn't talk to the delivery team. We have a very comprehensive discovery process. Yeah, our timelines are probably longer, but we do it right the first time. Now, I think in general, whether it's timeline or scope, if the agency is agreeing to do everything out of the like out of the gate, they're not questioning anything. They're not bringing to you as the merchant the red flags that you're throwing up. Then that would should be a red flag to you. So if mm-hmm. they're saying yes, we could do this, or you send them an RFP and a list of requirements, and they're saying yeah, we can do all of that, and they're not pushing back on anything, that's a red flag. Every Mm -hmm. time we push back on something, whether it's timeline or whether it's complex functionality that the client wants, and we know, or at least we don't, maybe we don't know what the results of that are going to be are. So like we know something is going to be a complex piece of functionality. It's going to cost a lot of money. If we just scope it out and they say yes, and they don't see an ROI, we look bad. So Mm -hmm. we want to be able to question those things. So I guess to, to sum it up, my red flags would be agreeing to doing everything and not questioning anything. So you don't want a whole agency that is just a yes agency that is telling you that they're going to do everything for you because there's going to be some lies or there's going to be some overconfidence sprinkled in there. Yeah. And it's uh, unfortunately, you're the one that pays the price and you don't want to be somebody else's guinea pig. You want to make sure that they've done it before, which I think saying that out loud is a great question to ask any agency or partner is just tell me about other times you did this, what hiccups came up, what turbulence should I be expecting during this? Because nothing is ever smooth. If, if it was smooth, it would be be easy and we'd all be doing it. Yeah. It's like you're getting different technologies to work together, which is always tricky and you can do it. 
And maybe you don't have one out of the box solution that's perfect for you, but it's always tricky when you think it will be super easy because you've never done it before. And you're working with someone who's really talented that makes it look really easy and you can't see all the seams that come up, but that doesn't mean that, that it is. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and I think it's important to, like I said, question things. And if it sounds, and this is kind of cliche, but if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. But we like to practice radical transparency. And as a merchant, you need to be trying to figure out, is this person just trying to sell me or are they really trying to help me? Are mm-hmm. they pointing me in the right direction? Are they trying to save me money? Are they trying to make me money? Right? I think the money conversation doesn't come up enough, right? We mm-hmm. talk about money as like, well, how much is the agency charging or how much is the company making? We try to lead the conversation with, well, this is your total cost of ownership, not even just paid to AVEX. And here's what your possible return on investment is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. We want to make sure you're saving as much upfront so that you could reinvest back with us for the longer term, right? So everyone's happy. You're making money. You're reinvesting. We're happy. There's no headbutting on change requests and things that we weren't transparent about. So look for those agencies that are being radically transparent. I I really like that. And I think that's a nice little segue into the next topic, which is making the tech work together, which is, you know, I'm a, I'm a decent enough designer. I, I can get it to look good. I, I can get a color palette that works. I, I won't use Comic Sans. And balance a couple of fonts to, to get it good enough. I produce a lot of podcasts, so my more of an audio guy than the, the visual side of things, but I'm, I'm good enough. But where I have, I don't even want to say struggles because it's not, it, it's a hard thing to do, but where I would probably look to bring on help first is really getting the tech mm-hmm. to, to blend together, especially as you have multiple channels, you're looking at various inventory solutions, ERPs, you need to connect your ESP to your SMS tool which is a a lot of acronyms of how you know it's starting to get a little (laughs) bit tricky. What does it it look like to get everything working together? And eventually I'd like to to segue this into talking about that, the Philips One Blade headless build with Shogun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So I guess it really depends on what you're trying to make work together and what approach you're taking. So if we're talking about like Monolith, if you're talking about a platform like Shopify Plus, I don't want to use the term limitations because it makes it seem like Shopify only has limitations, but it's all platforms have somewhat of a limitation. Um, So it's navigating $300,000 on a Lamborghini. Yeah. And there's limitations. You you can't tow a boat the way that you can with a used $4,000 pickup truck. Exactly. So like if you're using something like Shopify Plus or Shopify and you're most likely using a lot of the apps in the ecosystem, maybe it's a Yotpo or a Clavio or an Attentive or Gorgeous or something like that. And mm-hmm. each of those have creative limitations. Of course, they have functionality limitations, right? I think what's important to us is that, again, we're completely transparent with our clients and we're showing them what it can and cannot do and setting expectations. Additionally, we created this kind of like internal library for our designers that allows them to reference it when we're doing like a production plan and then we move over to creative and we're in UX, UI, whatever. And this way they're not designing something that can't be implemented using, let's just say we used Yapo, right? And there might be a limitation of what we could customize or there's a pop-up for a certain SaaS product. Our designers now know what confines they should stay within so we're not showing the client something that they love and then it's like well we can't execute on it right it's not just designing blindly it's planning ahead of time to make sure design and tech is working together now if we're talking about something like headless whether it's Mm -hmm. you know using shogun or 
creating something bespoke just on Shopify Plus, or if you're doing something with like like a commerce tools or something like that, or taking a mock approach, you have a lot more of these microservices that you could start integrating. And you're using APIs, you could customize it a lot more. Now you have to start piecing all of these things together. And that's where a lot of upfront planning comes into place. It's less about when you're actually executing. It's more about that upfront planning and discovery. So figuring out ahead of time how they're going to work together, looking at it as a product from end to end and what the future state may hold, because that's going to dictate how you end up executing it. So to me, it's a lot of upfront planning to make all of this tech work together. So that's going to be road mapping everything, planning it out. How does one thing interact with the other? How is it going to impact the customer experience, the merchant experience? All of those things come into play. And that's where we'll have like a solutions architect. We'll have our head of development working together with the team to be able to ensure that the client knows all this and we're being transparent. So now from a creative perspective and from a functionality perspective, all of these things are pieced together. So I don't think there's just one way to be able to do it without that really rigorous upfront planning. That kind of goes back to the first chapter that we, we talked about of working with an agency of when to start looking mm -hmm. is when you do start to need a solutions architect who has used that tool before. I mean, I, I'm pretty, pretty confident in gorgeous. I, I've set up some Clavio flows and Omnisend flows, but when it comes to start integrating new tools or bringing something in for the first time, I want to, I'd want to work with someone who has done it before especially when it's going live and if it doesn't work every day that it's down is costing very significant dollars. No, precisely, precisely. So I think that's really a smart thing. Let's wrap it up with some interesting projects because you do work with some really cool brands. We were talking about them in some of the green room. I'll let you disclose some of the cool ones that you can talk about. For but sure. what are some some really interesting, and I know that the, the Philips OneBlade was one of those projects where it really kind of pushed the boundaries with, with that headless build. But what are some other interesting builds that you've done in the past? Sure. And I just want to, just so no one gets sued, I wasn't aware Philips had a product called OneBlade as well. The OneBlade that we did is a separate company, separate entity. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. I don't even know if OneBlade knows that Philips has a product called OneBlade because that looks pretty new to me. But yeah, OneBlade is a razor company that has like these non-disposable heavyweight razors with like just the, the straight razor blades, right? And I like tried using it. Is it it's is very it difficult. Back? What's that? Is it for the back? For like the your shaving your back? Sorry, I'm thinking of, of back blade. You're thinking there's, of well, there's head blade too. There's head blade, there's back blade, there's bulldog. Oh. That's what I use on my okay. head. There's a bunch of that. There's so many anyway. Yeah. Now this one is one blade shave and that was one that we built using Shogun front end. So it's a headless build. That one was really interesting because when you start with a, a headless build, you have to start with content modeling. Like how are we utilizing these content types or where are we reintroducing them? It's a completely different approach to content. And when you're doing the design system than it is when you're building a regular site, there's a lot more upfront planning, especially during the content and design phase. That was really interesting because we got to do a lot of like motion and some like videos and things like that without having to worry about and sacrificing page speed because the site is insanely fast. So I'm um, on the website right now. Mm -hmm. And if you go through, there's a little video animation of the, the one blade mm -hmm. going through a bunch of waves. Is that all CGI? Yeah, that's CGI video that the client had produced, but like it's pretty high res too. And as you're going through, there's no lag in anything. So 
the, the, the speed is pretty crazy, but yeah, that's all CGI. I mean, if we did that with code, that would be pretty nuts, but yeah, it's all CGI, but they have a, a ton of really great content. So it allows us to kind of like really focus on like making this look like an elevated and premium product. So that was really interesting and that was a fun build to be a part of. So more recent launches. So Deswa is a sparkling water brand that was started by Katie Perry. She's a co-founder. Oh. Um, we worked very close closely with her team on the UX UI design as well as the development. That one has a really interesting vibe, really interesting look and feel. Doesn't have like a traditional type of layout. It's pretty different, especially the branding is very colorful and a little bit different from a lot of the other like luxury or fashion websites that we worked on in the past. So that one was really fun on the creative side, as well as the execution. Another one that I would say was pretty interesting. We didn't work on the website, but we've been handling all of Hugo Boss's email marketing for the past couple years now. And part of that, I mean, beyond just doing all of their email marketing work has been really fun. And, and like our creative team has, has a lot of fun doing it, but also when they did their collaboration with the NBA and they released like a product line around it, they looked to us for some creative direction for their social media, for some like video animations and graphics that ended up in some cases, sometimes it makes their in-store displays, which is really cool to kind of like go by Hugo Boss and see some of our work in like mm -hmm. a display for like a sale or cool. event. And it's like cohesive between the website and social and stuff like that. So that's a really fun creative project to be a part of. There's no tech involved in it on our end, but it's really fun to collaborate with such a large brand, uh, a historic brand on some really great creative. So those are some recent ones. I'd also say like Balance Athletica and Seed to Summit were some really interesting builds on Shopify Plus, whether it involved bespoke functionality or some of the dynamic yield conversion rate optimization work we've been doing. Those are really fun, especially since they're very creative, challenging on the development side, but also when we get to work with clients on like the CRO side and we get to show them like massive results in, in like conversion rate increases or like A-B tests and select winning campaigns, that's where we start to really fine tune and strategize with our clients. And it's more than just creative. It's more than just execution. We're like really showing them a return on investment. And that's like just so means so much to our team that we're helping to build these businesses and they're able to reinvest back into their brand. Mm -hmm. I think I've been browsing the the case study pages as you mentioned them and the work, especially the Hugo Boss. It's it's cool to see you you can be walking by the store, check your phone, get an email, and it's the same imagery very <laughs> cohesively. I mean, as it should be, but to do that in practice is incredibly difficult. Yeah, yeah, and they they roll it out in a really great way, especially with the MBA collaboration. They had a lot of social graphics, a lot of video stuff, and the emails kind of all go together. So that was um, fun to be a part of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I guess the, the last question we take at home here, John, is what trends do you think we're going to see in the second half of, of the year? If you had to look into your crystal ball and mm -hmm. just really bet, let's say you've got $100 to bet on trends. How are you spending that $100? How are you breaking it down? Sure. And I've been kind of saying this for a while, and I, I still think it's true. I, I think that community, loyalty, all of those things are ripe for disruption. And there's a lot more things coming out around, especially loyalty. So I, mm -hmm. I do think that especially since brands aren't just like dumping money towards Facebook anymore. Well, they are, but like, that's not a winning solution as much anymore, where they're going to have to focus on building a community. And mm -hmm. we need technology to be able to support that. 
So I do see community loyalty programs like that being more of a hot topic. And of course, I think headless is still going to be top of mind in a conversation mm -hmm. that is still going to be had and still not just a buzzword, but you'll probably hear more about like composable commerce and like mock and things like that, microservices, APIs, cloud, headless, all that I still see being a maybe not a trend, just more of a movement towards some of those things. But I do yeah. see loyalty being a hot topic for the rest of this year. Yeah, I think loyalty still hasn't been figured out. It feels like it's still mm -hmm. very much ways to generate discount codes yeah. versus something truly loyal of, hey, after this many orders, we're going to send, automatically send the customer this or mm -hmm. whatever it happens to be. And I think there's, I mean, I'm just brainstorming it at this point but ways to partner up with other brands say, Hey, do you want to do a crossover promo? So it only costs moves or costs of goods sold. We can cross promote and then say, Hey, as after your fifth order, you get, you get a bottle of the, of the Katy Perry to soy water or whatever mm -hmm. it happens to be to cross promote versus just, Oh, you get points that are worth discount codes from only your store. Cause that's all the, the tech that we can really generate. And I, I said this to Nick from Shogun at, I guess 18 months now when he was really describing headless it just felt so so perfect for the grocery industry a brand like Oatly, where they have websites in many different countries and continents you have language requirements you have nutritional content requirements mm -hmm. but it's still pulling the same content you still want your blog pulling that same seo because people are looking for Oatly recipes or oat milk recipes you want that very centralized and then to be regionally specific even in new york and versus the west coast it can mm -hmm be different there, even depending on what SKUs are available, where your warehouses are for a heavy to ship product as fuel prices and logistics only gets more and more complicated. Yeah, no, exactly. The more sophisticated the business is, the more sophisticated the technology might have to be. I try not to speak in absolutes and saying, oh, it has to be. It's because everything is kind of unique to the business, right? Whatever your business, whatever you, you have to weigh the pros and cons in everything in general. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just right in business. But like, especially when you're talking about an approach for e-commerce store, you know, someone like Oatly may have a more sophisticated infrastructure, but an equally complex infrastructure for another brand, they, they might prioritize something else over that, right? They mm -hmm. might say, well, look, we're willing to sacrifice certain things on the back end because we want to make it just easier for our team or whatever. So like, you have to weigh those pros and cons in general, especially with technology. I agree. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. I know people can find you at avexdesigns.com. Where else can people find you, John, if they want to get in touch, hear a little bit more for your voice? Where do you sure. want people to come come find you? Sure. I'm on LinkedIn. So you just have to search for me on LinkedIn, John from Avex, or just go to Avex on LinkedIn and find me there. We have the Agency X podcast that you could find on our website. That would be great. But those are some, those are the two places where I am the most. I don't do as much social media on the other channels. So I oh. just downloaded TikTok recently to like look at, and honestly, there's so many funny videos on there and it you doesn't make me feel bad. You know when I first downloaded bad. TikTok? 2016. Oh, wow. Musically. Well, I, I downloaded it. It was different when I first downloaded it, but now yeah. I got it. It's like, it's a different world because like you look on Instagram and it's like, makes you feel bad scrolling through a lot of these things it's it's like you're just showing me stuff that i'm supposed to be buying and then it's like tiktok it's like funny videos and i've and learned cool, a lot cool from product. tiktok too a lot of like yeah. really good te cooking techniques I, mm -hmm. I finally learned how to make rice over over the pandemic and boil some eggs nice. so maybe maybe know. next i'll try making a steak sandwich or something oh please i've seen i've seen your recipes they're pretty complex i can't <laughs> i can't cook like that i don't know keep those coming though because they look great 
it's, uh, I'll wrap it up. But it's the the second time I plugged this today, recording the podcast. But I'm doing a, a brewery barbecue tour this summer, apparently. Ooh, yeah, where so to? Are you headed to New York and, and all? And I, I could. That'll be next Ooh. year. I've got to. Okay. Got to got to get my cost of goods sold first before I take this freedom barbecue tour to the states. Okay. Well, ready for the freedom that I have. I might have there. to head up north to uh, yeah. check it out. I'm I don't sure. know. All right. Awesome. No, that sounds good. All right, Charlie. Right, always, always a blast. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Go check out the Agency X podcast wherever you are listening here. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Hey, hope you enjoyed this technically speaking video part of exceptional e-commerce. There's a few other videos here, here, maybe here, here. I don't know how they set it up. So go click them, watch something, learn something new, maybe prevent a lesson and make sure you hit the subscribe button.